to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I will be your host for this evening, or this morning, or the afternoon, um, or whenever you happen to listen, because after all, it is your podcast. Now, joining me today is a man who's no stranger to the community. Um, he's a gentleman who has gone from writing reviews on Forzatu to creating his own Facebook group, Um to um, getting his um, his his kind of his first design game kind of published it is um, it's none other than a Mr. Martin Poole. So hello, Mr. Martin Poole. Hello. How are you, Mr. Martin Poole? I'm good. Hello. I'm good, thank you. Good. It's good to have you on because um, we've been we've been aware of each other's existence, I think, for a while. But our our, our I guess our kind of our our communication swords didn't cross until kind of quite recently, so it's kind of good to actually to get you on to have a little chat and to find out a little bit more about yourself because you've had a lot of things happening. Yes, <laughs> let's be fair, you've had a lot of things happening. It's all been good, um, but there's been an awful lot of cardboard cardboard related shenanigans going on, mm-hmm. which is why it seemed like a really really good time. To kind of get you on and had a chat because all the the planets and stuff have all converged into one big convergence and you know we're in the solar system that is known as the Poolosphere, as you would say. <laughs> now, for for people that haven't listened to us before, thank you for listening. Because it's getting close to Christmas, you will find that we have a range of mince pies, mulled wine, and if you want a Pooler cracker, pick one up at the front. It's uh, help yourself. The reason that we do this is because we fundamentally believe that there are, well, there's quite simply, there's not enough podcasts out there about board games, and there's certainly not enough podcasts out there um, from Scotland. Apparently there's now three. Apparently. <laughs> because I was, go- I was going on about the Unlucky Frog Gaming for a while, and then David Wright from basically the... the um, Tabletop Scotland says, oh, by the way, do you know there's a third one called the First Player Marker, apparently. Apparently they're from Scotland as well. I'm going to have to go and track them down because if they keep spreading like wildfire, we're going to have to have a cull. Let's be perfectly honest about that. And the other reason that we're doing this is because this guy's name keeps cropping up everywhere. If he's not on like the board game geek groups, he's running his own little Facebook group. He's talking about his game he's published, and you just can't keep avoiding the man that is Martin Poole. So, you know, we decided let's have a chat. So, um, as we always do, we want to find out a little bit about your history with the kind of the pressed and printed trees. So, first of all, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. And secondly... Do you want to tell us a little bit about your history? Okay, yeah. Um, I've only been in, involved in board games in the capacity that I am at the moment for about two years, believe it or not. Um, mm. I used to play a lot when I was young, um, Cluedo, Monopoly. Um, All right. I remember having an electronic Battleships game. 
and sort of used to flip it around on the table because I had no one to play with. So, <laughs> so I used to do one side and then and then flip it around, and I still remember how it how it said. Uh, how, did, how does that even work? <laughs> well, short term memory. When I was a child, I couldn't remember where I put the I ships. Um, and then you've got the other side of um, at least you always won. Well, yeah, yeah. Unless the batteries ran out and, and, then, and then nobody won. But <laughs> and then everybody lost. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I started um, playing games about two years ago. Um, just I've got children now, heavily involved in, in computer games. I love computer games, always played computer games, but they take a lot of time. And mm. I just I wanted something that was sort of sociable aspect as well or the social aspect so uh, yeah. I looked around on, online and found a, a few groups uh, and found that where I live Telford it's actually got a really good board game group that meets on a Thursday and right. I went and I remember the first day I was expecting it to be full of the typical people that you think board games are, are full of my partner who isn't into games was teasing me all week leading up to it as well so I was I was very 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 nervous and I walked in and I was like there's a bar okay all right there's normal people okay <laughs> I was like so she was and then they were winding your partner was winding you up all the way yeah what are they saying it's like they're gonna get the really heavy games yes and they're gonna hit you in the head with them <laughs> no it was it was like you know it's just gonna be full of sweaty teenagers <laughs> <laughs> if you've had a wash this week, you run up on ninety percent of the people that are there, kind of thing. Yeah, but, but the worst thing was there was there was what we you know what we laugh about in the hobby as as normal people, and then there was the other people that play, you know, the, the heavy heavier games like you said. And I sort of sat with the people that I didn't think I would sit with, <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I was, and I was having fun, and I was like, right, okay. And then it turns out one of the people I was actually playing with was my cousin <laughs> and we hadn't seen each other really? in years yeah that's crazy so it's it's quite good i attend most thursdays um, and i started reviewing games like you said for zatu uh, and i kind of yeah, how did that how did that come about did you just did you just kind of rock up there and just say hey guys i fancy um have you always been a Have you always been a bit of a writer? Did you write stuff like video games and stuff beforehand? Not at all. No, and uh, I'm actually dyslexic <laughs> as well. So oh. it it sort of happened. I saw on Twitter. Uh, I bought my first real different board game from them, so something different from Monopoly. Yeah. I bought Heroes of Normandy off them. Uh, oh, okay. And the rule book absolutely sucked. And I was like, right, okay, how am I going to learn to play this game? And then I mm. saw that they were actually after people uh, to do reviews and blogs and stuff. Um, yeah. So I said, I'll do one for Heroes of Normandy. And it it went down really, really well because it, my review style was sort of short and sweet. You know, this is what the game is. This is what it does. Yeah. If you like it, go and buy it. If you don't, then don't. And and it went it went down really well. <laughs> Three sentences. Yeah, a bit more than that in between. But you know, what I had what I had for tea or something like that. Exactly. Uh, it's one of these, or is it one of like? Um, <clears throat> there's a movie website that I read, and the guy, one of the guys who's is famous for spending kind of doing Barbara Cartland type things, where he spends like forty five 
45 minutes of the review talking about how the film relates to some kind of story that he was involved in as a child. <laughs> and then the last, the last kind of like three sentences saying, well, it's rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> too much CGI, you know, or it's a tour de force kind of thing. So yeah, that's kind of fine. Yeah. Well, how did you write the heroes? How did you write the Normandy one? Was it like kind of like, and if you remember that before they used to attack Normandy, um, they would often get the priest to, to read the Bible. Now the Bible goes like this. In the beginning, <laughs> it was it was more along the lines of "Can anyone help me with the rule book, please?" <laughs> so I can actually write a review. <laughs> but, <It's, laughs> but no, it's like one of those charity things. <laughs> oh, Martin, thirty-two, has been struggling with the game. He was up Normandy for some time. <laughs> You can donate ten pounds to help Martin play his game if you text. <laughs> Bored. I wish I wish I'd have thought of that to be honest, but you should have. Um, that would have gone down like a tree. No, it was. So anyway, I'm I'm, I'm kind of interrupting. No, it's so fine. You, you wrote you wrote five sentences. Yep, and uh, and it went down really really well. Yeah. and it just went from there. They were just like, okay, well. You know, what other games do you want to review? And then because I went every Thursday and mm-hmm. I probably played two or three games every night, the, the reviews were coming quite thick and fast. Um, okay. And up until four or five weeks ago, um, I've done 100 reviews in, in a year, basically. So, um, from someone that's not gone from playing board games to doing 100 reviews, you know, I've, I've gone in, you know, dived in headfirst. <laughs> It's not bad. It's not bad. If you'd done 125, I would have been impressed, I think. 100, it's a decent number. But, how, I mean, I mean, joking aside, I mean, as somebody who's dyslexic, that's a, that is a, an achievement and a half because the people I know with dyslexia, they spend half the time kind of second-guessing themselves if they've got the stuff right kind of like in the first place is you are you quite severely dyslexic or no no it is it's it's very slight it didn't actually get picked up until um towards the end of my school uh, school life All right, okay so okay it it is very very slight but what i find is sometimes what i think i'm writing isn't what i'm actually writing and i have to read it back three or four times and i'm like what was i actually saying um <laughs> so yeah that's mainly why the reviews aren't in as depth as they probably should be. But it's yeah. it, it's one of them. And the the thing that really made me feel comfortable doing it was the fact that how many people have the same problem as me. So when they read yeah. my review, it actually you know it makes them feel more comfortable being able to read it because it's not these big long convoluted sentences that they've got no idea what the what the words are. Yeah, I think like any kind of um, review piece, it's um, you're 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 kind of getting a fine line between making the review piece kind of informative, but at the same time also making people actually want to to read it as well. Yes, and it's a difficult line between you actually just stating the facts about the game and stating the facts about the game with like some kind of opinion. And I think the only thing that Sometimes reviewers of games of any kind of medium get leveled at them. It's you know if you end up just telling people what the thing is, then 
what 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 are you doing? <laughs> kind of thing. You've got to kind of yeah, exactly. Give a kind of a of a bit of a, a bit of an opinion at the same time. With um, you know, again, has I take it then? Are you a bit more of a stern judge? Um, judge when it comes to kind of rule books if they're not as kind of clear and as kind of precise I mean is there any games that you've that you've played recently that you've went actually this is excellent um, for helping me to kind of get into the game very very quickly or have there been on the other side of it is there also games where you're just like Give us a flipping break, mate. I, kind of thing. I remember one of the, the early reviews that I did was um, Shipwrights of uh, the North Sea or Shipwrights of the Shem Phillips game. And yeah. there's a grid sort of in that which tells you what your starting resources are and how many meeples you have. Uh-huh. And I sort of skimmed, read the rules, played the game. And it wasn't just me, it was one of the other gamers as well. We had trouble figuring out what the actual starting resources were. And it wasn't wasn't really a rule book error, it was a layout error. And yeah. there was a comma or a full stop in the wrong place. And it basically made it look like the one, which was actually the resource that you started with, was point number one. And the two All right. was point number two. And I wrote the review and Shem sent me a message saying, you're wrong, basically. Uh, And I was like, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. And then I went and got the rule book and I remember sitting in the front room with a laptop thinking, I'm not wrong, how dare you? Going to get get the rule book, (laughs) opening it up and going, I'm wrong. Okay. (laughs) All right, okay. And this is when Raiders of the North Sea was was quite prominent on social media, so he was somebody that, that, you know, has obviously made a really good game, and there I was bashing one of his earlier games for the rule book. And, yeah, I felt quite bad, but I suppose on Uh, the flip side... I don't know. Yeah, if if I struggled with that and somebody else struggled with that, uh, then maybe it wasn't really an error, it was that layout issue... Uh, we have since spoken. He did agree with me, so I was right. If you're listening, I was right. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, you can tweet at Martin directly with any <laughs> feedback you've got about that. But no, I mean that's important. I mean, if you if you read a rule book, and that rule book by that particular designer has something which you're kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> I made a mistake on that because there is nothing worse. There is nothing worse than reading a rule book and discovering that you've got the raw, you've got the rules wrong, kind of like five or six games in. Yes, and you've been playing the game kind of wrong. Um, I think I'm guilty of that. I think the most recent one was um, was Viticulture, where I think after a couple of games we were when we were harvesting the grapes, we were taking the cards out of the fields. Okay. For some reason, and then, and then somebody came up and says, "No, no, you just you just keep them in. They are you've planted them. <laughs> They're meant to be there all the time." I was like, "Oh right, okay, that's so game changing. I'm so embarrassed." It <laughs> it happens though. I think if if you get a rule wrong, but you still yeah. you still enjoy the game, it, it doesn't really uh-huh. detract from it. It's when you get a rule wrong and absolutely blast the game to everybody that you know. <clears throat> and then yeah. and then realise actually no I was uh, I was playing that wrong. There's a, a thing at the moment on on the internet about a, a monopoly rule 
that suddenly everybody is yeah. is going on about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was spe- who was I speaking with that? I don't know if I was actually speaking to that with um, with Isaac. Um, yeah, and Isaac Childress. He shall not be named because he wrecked the last segment of my show. But um, <laughs> yeah, we kind of mentioned that, and yeah, that's a kind of a but. Monopoly is probably one of the most house-ruled games that I've ever, ever played. Yeah. I mean, you go from one house to the other and everybody's kind of got their own. It's not necessarily even a house rule. It's kind of like the family rule that's passed down from generation to generation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's yeah. always the big, this is the free parking argument. Yeah. You know, yeah. thou shalt take all money from free parking. Yeah. And then um, and then there's obviously the, the terrible jokes that you get. I remember the one about, um, was it the... Was it the chance card that says you have won second prize in a beauty contest kind of thing? <laughs> and I remember my dad always saying every single time without fail, ha-ha, first prize went to the pig. <laughs> <laughs> That's not very nice. Not a very nice thing to say about mum. But um <laughs> But you know that but is that that is like you know, that's the case with the kind of monopoly. Um one of the nicest rule books, I guess. That and that has been really, really intuitive is and very, very easy to play has been the the mechs versus minions one. That seems to take you by the hand and guide you into introducing all the kind of the, I guess the new kind of mechanics there on Earth. Is it? Yeah. Is it kind yeah. of? I think I think the biggest one for for me that was completely unusual and took me by surprise was this war of mine, in the way that the yes. I, I really enjoy that game. Uh, probably one of my all-time favourite solo games, along with Robinson Crusoe. Um, you enjoy this war of mine? Yes, I do. <laughs> do you want to stop the podcast now? <laughs> I just wondering enjoy because I've heard um, Andy, Andy Lewis, and Steve Tudor both saying that this war of mine is something that you kind of endure. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> there's kind of there's hankies at the ready because it's quite a sad yeah it's quite a sad tough and difficult kind of game so I, I had that debate with people in the game group and these are the same sort of people that will go and watch horror movies and zombie movies and, and thinking it's a piece of cardboard on your table with yeah. some writing and you're really getting upset about it I can understand why. <laughs> If if you've had experiences in your life, but come on, it's it's yeah, it's the same as video games. You know, I don't get upset when I play Call of Duty and and kill people. I'm not going to get upset over over Just laugh away instead. Yeah, I I don't I don't know. For me, the hobby of board games is a break away from reality, and I know yeah. I know that this war of mine is trying to blur that line, but I've never been in a war-torn situation, fingers crossed, I've been quite lucky. So yeah. <laughs> it, it doesn't affect me, and, and I have to have a look at the game for its own merits, which is, for me, it was different, it was enjoyable, the rule book was good, the components were good, so the whole overall experience was really good. So you continue to um, you continue to write for Zatu? Yep. You know, just trying out these reviews. And then you start to get more involved in the industry in general. Um, board ga- Is a board game exposure? That's the one. Is that yeah. Your- what makes you decide? I mean, 
the Facebook groups that are out there, you've got the Board Game Geek, you've got the Board Game Group, you've got the Board Game Spotlight, you've got the Board Game After Dark, you've got the Board Game First Thing in the Morning, you've got the Board Game Coffee, you've got the Board Game Tea, you've got the Board Game with Biscuits. What, you know, what made you decide to go down the group of, you know, running the Board Game Exposure Group? Because it's quite raunchy, just going about here, have some exposure. Um... <laughs> I just didn't say enough of people. <laughs> if you're going to do a Facebook group about board games, I'm going to do it naked. Well, that's it. That's how we're doing the podcast. <laughs> that's how we're doing the podcast. <laughs> if it ain't flapping, I ain't clapping. That's the way to look at it. <laughs> but, um, it's just true. It's not even, you know, a joke. It's just a fact of life. So, what makes you, I mean, what makes you go from, you're obviously, at the Zatu stuff is helping you with a little bit of, con, you know, your confidence, kind of knowing that you're able to get across a message, to get across your thoughts and your feelings mm-hmm. on how the game is coming across. So what made you then decide to say, well, actually, there's something missing that I can maybe put out there in with regards to... Um, to kind of like Facebook, how did you come to kind of that kind of decision? I'm guessing because Zatu were publishing my articles, I couldn't really have my own blog start up because I wouldn't have content of my own because it would be yeah. Zatu's content. So the blog route was sort of not worth the time and effort and I was probably mm-hmm. too lazy to start that up as well. Uh, working full time, I, you know, it's something I did on the side. So I thought I'll try and set up a group. Uh, and a couple of the first people I ever spoke to, uh, people that you would probably know, Mark McKinnon, um, of Wreck and Ruin fame. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> um, then you've got Kevin from Legends Untold. Uh, Kevin Young. Yeah. <laughs> Legends Untold fame. And then you've got Sarah from Awesome. Uh, Sarah Kennington. <laughs> I'm not going to do anything. Don't tell me you got. Don't tell me you got Nigel involved. Uh, I didn't actually, although he did send me some artwork once because. Well, that because Sarah had a go at him because I was doing an article for UK Games Expo, and she'd give me the written piece, and I was like, okay, give me some artwork, and I was like, it's still not here, and then she just sort of cc'd him in an email, and it was there within five <laughs> seconds. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think Nigel getting told off. At any time at all, it's always brilliant. <laughs> it's always really, really good fun. I have a lot of time for Nigel. Like Nigel's excellent. He's he's genuinely just hysterically funny. Yeah, he needs one of them. <laughs> even when he does, even when he doesn't mean it, he's kind of eye-rollingly funny. <laughs> he's kind of like tut tut funny kind of thing. But uh, you know, I've got a lot of time for the. Uh, Got a lot of time for all of them. In fact, I've now met all of them as well, which is a kind of a yeah, kind of yeah. I've, I've thing, met but... I've met them all, and they are they're all genuine, and they all helped me out. Uh, I yeah. game exposure was a closed group, so to start yeah. off with, I could only I only accepted people that I knew that wanted to be there. Uh, yeah, and within five months, I was up to eight hundred people, and I was just like, right, okay, I'm going to have to open this up now. I've got. You know, yeah. I've got a core group that want to be there for the sake of being there. Um, yeah. So I asked everybody, and I let it be their group, so to speak, to start off with. And yeah. um, it, it's evolved from there. It's completely different. 
But having that core group, it's still got that community feel. And everything I do, I try to involve everybody. So that's that was the idea of the group, just to be a place where I could put my own content without being told off by Facebook police uh, <laughs> for spamming. Let's not go there. And Let's not go there. Yeah. How dare you post more than once a month? It's like, well, okay, well, I can't yeah. help it if I do yeah. 13 podcasts in a month, I'm afraid. You are only allowed to post once a month, right? Okay, yeah. then I'll put all of them in one post. <laughs> You're not allowed to have one more more than one post in a month. Will you just... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Leave it yeah. be. Yeah, I, I understand. There's more important, things going, more important <laughs> things going on in the world. But the idea behind Board Game Exposure was to um, <clears throat> to get help people get the word out there about what they were doing, yes. projects they were working yeah. on and stuff yeah, like definitely. that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I, you know, I was doing um, Kickstarter previews mainly. So I would, yeah. you know, hit somebody up and say, hey, you know, I see you've got a Kickstarter. Send me your rule book over. I don't need a physical copy. I'll just tell them about the art and the direction that you're going in. And and that's yeah. the idea of my Kickstarter previews. And they were surprisingly really well <laughs> thought after. And before long, people were asking me to physically review them. And that's where the group is at the moment, the Board Game Collective, yeah. where I've got quite... I think five or six reviewers now. I've actually stopped reviewing uh, at the moment, yeah, at the, yeah. at the moment um, because of my game that's uh, more Robin Hood. Um, so, yeah, it, it just evolved really, really quickly. And, and the fact that we could get copies from America and actually get it three, four or five reviews for one copy, it sort of yeah. exploded because suddenly we were really good value um, for American uh, people to get to their games as well. Was that is that a kind of a chargeable service then? No, no, Would you... completely free. We no. we even pay for the shipping between ourselves. So, people will come to you and say, "We'd like some copies of the games," and you'll say, "Yeah, we'll pay for them to come over here, and we will give you get you some reviews in turn." Yeah. So basically, uh, for example, oh. for example, the um, which was the latest game that we got sent. I can't remember off the top of my head, but basically an American person could contact us uh, and say, I've got a Kickstarter coming, I need X amount of reviews, can you do it for me? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. you pay the ship into the UK, plus the customs. Mm. As soon as it's in the mm. UK, it'll come to my house or it'll go to one of the other guys. They'll review it over two weeks, and then as soon as they've reviewed it, they'll then pay uh, the shipping company to pass it on to somebody else, and then they'll do the same, yeah. and they'll do the same. That sounds like well, I mean, it's 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 an important service because I think one of the things that people kind of really require more and more, especially if they're running their Kickstarter campaign, is to actually get some people who are willing to kind of review the games themselves. Have you? Do you feel because you're paying them to come over? And I guess this is something that I guess I think it was maybe Meeples Like Us kind of brought up. Do you feel under pressure to kind of provide a kind of a a, a kind of a middle to positive review or are you quite willing to kind of go back and say listen this you know, give some feedback 
Um, have you been in a situation where you've maybe had to turn around to somebody and say, listen, this isn't, this kind of is broken in certain places and it's not going to review well or have, you know. We, we've turned games down. Um, yeah. I, I, there's a bit of a running joke between myself, Jason and Martin Cubley at the moment because every game I review, I always say I enjoy it because <laughs> for me, I just enjoy playing games. So yeah. the ones that I review are ones that I generally know that I'm going to enjoy the mechanics at least. So yeah, I'm I'm a very very positive reviewer. We've got Nick Welford and Jason who aren't <laughs> to put it to put it nicely. If there's something wrong with the game, they will always go back to the publisher and say we don't enjoy it because of this. Do you want me to publish the review? Um, yeah. So we always give them a the chance, and and like we're not earning any money for it. Each person will normally spend anywhere between five and ten pounds to pass it on to the next person, depending on how heavy it is. So yeah. we all know, that, you know, at the end of the day, we can we can be honest about the games, but it's always nice to give the publisher a heads up just in case, if it's, especially if it's a Kickstarter, you could ruin their campaign, and it could actually be the fact that you've got a rule wrong. Yeah, I guess you know there is that there's that kind of balance. Um, I guess it's different if it's I don't know it's it's a strange thing because there are so many Kickstarters out there. It's like do you give somebody the chance to go back and make a change and make amends before they launch the product because the project is obviously isn't launched until they press the go button. And I know of a lot of places where the finish of the Kickstarter campaign they go back and they, you know, based on actual feedback that they get during the campaign, I've seen kind of rule changes kind of take place. I've seen changes to components. I've seen changes to mechanics in some, you know, in some games because they've listened to the feedback that they've got from the Kickstarter campaign. So are you viewing it as this is part of the process? We'll actually help people. They'll get the reviews, but at the same time, if we feel there's valuable feedback, they'll kind of get that at the same time as well, yeah? Yeah, definitely, especially if somebody will take that on board. Um, worst case is when you give somebody feedback and mm. they don't listen to you, they go ahead with a Kickstarter, and then you actually see three, four, maybe five people actually comment on the Kickstarter page with the exact same thing that you've done. And you just think, mm-hmm. you just think to yourself, you know, I wish that, would have listened to us because you know you've wasted a good few weeks now but it's it's a learning process i don't know all the answers and i think it's that's a positive with kickstarter the fact that even what you think is a finished product close to mm-hmm. no matter how much play testing you've had somebody somewhere else will always find something to change and you've just got to find a way to implement that to be happy with what you've created. So, not being content with writing reviews, over a hundred of them, setting up a Facebook group and helping people on Kickstarter get some feedback, you decide to go ahead and make your own game. Yeah, well... I kind of. Martin. <laughs> I, I'm a glutton for punishment, I suppose. This is while working full time as well and having two children, but you know. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, um, I, I had a rough design for a game and yeah. um, I did a 
review for Cabin Tavern from Final Frontier, and it was a couple of months before the Rise to Nobility campaign. And mm-hmm. I was speaking to Tony from Final Frontier, and I was like, look, I've got an idea for a game. Do you, are you going to take commissions on if your next game does really well? Or yeah, And yeah. he was like, well, I'll have a look at it, and I'll always, you know, I'll always help you. And he's actually from, from Macedonia, so he probably didn't speak like that at all. But anyway, <laughs> he, um, you don't you don't want to start doing impressions of people because we, we've actually met, so I could probably get away with that joke. But nah, I don't I don't know if I don't know. <laughs> you could no no I'm not going to even because I was like go on then. No, but, no, definitely not. But let's let's no. No, let's no, let's not uh, let's not. Um, um, yeah, so yeah. I I sent him. The, the the idea with a few turns that I had down the rule set that I had, you know, in in my eyes it was probably a forty to sixty percent complete game, and he was like, "Yeah, I like the idea, but let, mm-hmm. let's change this, this, and this." And before long, we were working even throughout the Voice to Nobility campaign, we were working and shaping this game. And I told a few people at my game group, and they were like, yeah, just go for it. You've got nothing to lose. And because I was still quite new, and I still am quite new to this hobby, I was a little bit, yeah. I was a little bit worried that this guy that I'd never met, who even though he'd sent me a free copy of his game, he could literally use me for my knowledge on on the theme that was mainly the knowledge that I had was on, on Robin Hood because I grew up watching it. And I, I wanted a game that felt very thematic in that world, uh, and that's mm. and that's what we were doing. We were building the mechanics to to feel as if you were part of the Merry Men. And yeah. I was thinking to myself, well, he could literally just take all these ideas and and run off. But at no point did any of us discuss contract or money until until we were actually ninety percent sure on we had a game that be able to sell and it would just need refining and playtesting um, so Rise to Nobility did extremely well, I think it did around about 370,000 uh, US dollars and yeah. I was sort of like hold on, these guys are bringing me along to, to make a game and I was like really excited and within about two or three weeks, just out of the blue contract appeared in my inbox on, on Facebook <laughs> and he was just like, there you go you're you're hired, and I was just like, right, okay, thanks. Where do we go from here? And I know. What do you think? What, what did you like check it and go? Oh, there's there's not like the, the suspicious kind of flagged up message that says, you know, similar emails have been used to collect people's personal information <laughs> and bank details, kind of thing. Well, and like yeah, I'm still waiting for the African prince to send me the uh, money. I've, had. <laughs> <laughs> I've sent him my bank details, but I haven't heard back from him. <laughs> Oh dear! Uh, oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> you went down the spam, um, <laughs> the spam and scammers. Um, but I mean, could you believe it? I mean, when you got when you got the email coming through with the contract, it's... I mean, was it kind of like oh, duh. was it like opening up a Christmas present? I'll open it up now, or do I open it up later? Or it's it's absolutely crazy because um, Final Frontier are a team of four. Uh, you've got Tony, uh, mm. Maya, Ivana, uh, and uh, Voikam. And yeah. I hadn't even spoken to the other three. This was just one person who was like, That's you know, crazy. here's your contract. And that, 
we all know that a contract can be cancelled and you know there's even a clause in there 21 days but these people from the initial email that I sent him hey like the look of Kevin Tavern can I have a free copy to review he could have said no at that yeah. point then yeah. to the bit where I said will you have a look over this idea he could have said no at that point but no he'd, he'd actually you know every single day for two three four messages between us back and forth for a five six month period and then to get that I was just like oh okay you must see something in this idea that that yeah mm. it you know it must be a, a viable product and okay that's that's kind of strange isn't it? it's like a whirlwind type of romance where you've kind of you've not had to go through the glass slipper running after down the stairs kind of no, getting home before midnight no definitely not I think everything that, Very, uh, that everything that's happened within the last yeah. two years has been either in the right time at the right place or people take to me for whatever reason I, I don't know <laughs> I don't know what it I, yeah I don't know what it is because I am utterly jealous and have complete hatred for you yeah, but yeah that's that's fine <laughs> it's, it's, I'll <laughs> I'll get over this, and you, you're not going to believe how badly I'm going to cut this episode. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, yeah, just talk about the African prince, me playing Battleship on my own. Nobody's <laughs> exactly. like, he's a what? He what? <laughs> you know what I mean? But you can help me if you could just say that. Um, if you could just say just quite clearly, um, all board gamers need to get a life. That would be good. We're not wizards. Is not the podcast for you. <laughs> Definitely going to cut that out. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, in terms of... Because people will be interested. It's like, well, what are they they signed you up for? Are they signed you up to work with them on taking the idea to the next level? Have they signed up to hand... Are you handing over the kind of design idea to them and they're taking it to fruition? Or are you now kind of almost like employed on a part-time basis as a designer Kim, what's the this this is where it know. gets really really confusing um, right. and probably making you a little bit more jealous but since since that's happened I, I'm basically now working with and for Final Frontier and okay. and Fundergriff Games who did t- right, how okay. long and we're bringing a new service um, that should launch in January and it's yeah. going to be a board game dedicated PR service. Now I can't say ah, okay. I can't say too much about it at the moment, but yeah. all this has come off the back of what I like to call the hard work that I've put in, you know, building up the audience, board game exposure, uh-huh. uh, and making a lot of contacts. Now the the original contract with Final Frontier was to co-design the game with them. So it was with yeah. them from every step of the way. I went to Essen with them. I helped them out. Um, I've just come back from Pax Unplugged in Philadelphia. That was with Thundergriff Games helping them out. So yeah, it's it's just. I think if you put yourself out there and and you put hard work in, then people tend to to realise that they're going to get a benefit from you, and then ultimately mm-hmm. you benefit as well. That's yeah. That's that's how I look at it. So, for people that are saying well, you, you still haven't spoken about the game, 
And this is like, well, welcome to We Are Not Wizards. This is what we do. Usually around about minute 42 is when we start talking about somebody's game that they're here to talk about. So guess what? <laughs> We're about 30 seconds away from that, so we could be 30 seconds o- <laughs> We can be 30 seconds early if you want. Do you want to tell us all about this fabulous game about Robin and his merry men? Do I have to? <laughs> you don't have to. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm only joking. Um, Are we when's the Kickstarter campaign? Uh, we're looking um, February, uh, hopefully. Okay. End of January, beginning of February. Uh, Essen, it was the first time that I'd been to Essen. It's the first time that Final Frontier had been to Essen and it's, it's, yeah. it took us, took us by surprise and it's put us back a little bit uh, in terms of, you know, refining what we want to show on the Kickstarter. So, yeah, we're, we're doing all the little fine touches at the moment, getting the Kickstarter page ready, getting all the final art ready, all that sort of stuff's happening in the background. Um, mm-hmm. But the game, the game's finished. And it's it's fun. Obviously, I'm going to say that. But <laughs> if 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 I could have chosen the game at any point throughout the period, yeah. uh, and what you've got to understand is that some of the decisions have been made by Final Frontier and not by me. I'm only a co-designer. Yeah. There's, there's obviously five of us who have worked on it. So if I say, oh, I don't yeah. like that, but the other four turn around and say they do, then it stays in. It's simple. <laughs> okay. um, so, yeah, it's it's the best version of the game, basically, that it's ever been. Now, I said earlier that I'm a huge fan of Robin Hood. Now I grew yeah. I grew up watching the Errol Flynn movies with my granddad and my dad, and that's what I was going to ask. I was going to ask if it was if it was a kind of if this was Russell Crowe or more Kevin Costner. Yeah, Ke- obviously you've gone <laughs> you've gone further back and said it's actually it's Errol Flynn. Yeah, if you don't mind. Well, all the all the films are good if if you take them for what they are. You know. Excluding Men in Tights, which was awful, but a lot. Of- oh, Men in Tights is amazing. <laughs> was it Cart? Is it Cart? Was it um, Cart? Is it Cart? Was it Carrie Elves? <laughs> let's just just not talk about that film because it's not. Let's just let's talk about it because he does the best lighting. Because <laughs> he was directly taking the Michael out of Kevin Costner. Yes, he says, "What's separating you from the rest of the <laughs> from the rest of the movies?" He turns around and goes, "I can do an English accent," and then ooh. It's uh, it, yeah, I know it's a comedy, but for me, Robin Hood is sort of somebody that robs from the rich, obviously, somebody that yeah. um, ambushes the royal guards, somebody that enters an yeah. archery competition, rescues Maid Marion, and I wanted to put that into a game, and the only game that I'd ever played within the Robin Hood theme and universe was um, Sheriff of Nottingham. And, you don't actually do anything in that that's really relevant. Yeah, to... I was always surprised at that. I was expecting Robin to rock, you know, yeah, yeah, rock up and go arms, arms for me, blind Kavna, <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, he never. Yeah, no, it doesn't. He never kind of rocked up. No, and I wanted to do it, and, and the first ever version of the game was sort of very combat heavy, almost could have been a war game miniature type game. But with worker placement in it, and then it got completely stripped back to be a worker placement resource management game, which I think suits the theme a lot better. Uh, every person that plays the game will 
take control of Robin Hood, uh, Little John, Friar, no, Will Scarlet, or there's a made mm. there's a made up female character in there as well, just to to suit because we did because okay. Maid Marian's actually captured in it, so you, all right, okay, and um, so there is actually a, a female character that you can play as, and okay, you've 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 got workers. Uh, like I said, it's work placement. It's split into two phases. So you've got your your merry men phase and your hero phase. So your merry men phase is when you go out, you collect resources, and you you build traps. And then your hero phase is when you actually go out and fight the sheriff. When you um, lay the traps on, there's four roads coming into the middle of the board, which is the castle. Um, Carriages are coming in, so it's a little bit like tower defence. So you actually have to mm. lay traps there to stop the carriages coming in because they're robbing gold from the villagers. And you you have to work together to stop these carriages coming into the centre. But at the same time, there can only be one winner. So you're playing against each other, but also you have to work together. So it, it makes for some quite fun engagement. Yeah, okay. So it's kind of like looking after the greater good, but... Sometimes the greater good can be yourself. Yes. Kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You win or the game wins, so you have to decide which one. I mean, is it. <clears throat> have you put it in mind to kind of like play with more than four players? I mean, is there chances for expansions and stuff like that? I mean, or. We, I mean, is it best with two or. Uh, it's, it's designed from the ground up for four, so. This game, mm-hmm. this game will be for four people. Uh, obviously, within the universe, there's always different stories that you want to tell, or there's always different characters that you want to include. And yeah. as much as everybody said that, oh, it's a theme that everybody loves. You know, it's a really good choice that you've done that. On the flip side, because it's a theme that everybody loves, if you do something wrong, then suddenly you're scrutinised a lot more than, than a made-up theme. So we've had to keep it where the story in the game is is what you make it. So there is a very slight story in there that you know, Maid Marion's been captured, the sheriff's coming after you. But mm-hmm. what actually happens in the game determines the conversations which you will have with the people that you play with, which then will determine, you know, what the story that you make, basically. Did I mean? Did you when you've been putting the Kickstarter together? Because it is coming out on Kickstarter. Does that mean you have to have a different view with how you put the game kind of out there? I mean, one of the okay, this is my thinking behind it. Okay, one of the criticisms that you hear an awful lot recently of some of the bigger Kickstarters. Um, from say like your guys like Simon, yeah, yep. and I'm not singling them out. You know, other obviously bigger game design companies are available. Is that you see like a base product, and then you'll see as an ex- as a stretch goal or as an exclusive to Kickstarter or an add on, an additional chunk of the game, which makes you think, well, why wasn't that? originally just part of the core box it's almost like it could have been separated off i think i think you're right from from what i've seen of other campaigns now again 
what happens with the game and how it's designed and, and ultimately the final product of Robin Hood is down to Final Frontier. They're the publisher at the end of the day. I have very limited say in you know what goes into it. But uh-huh. from what I've I've seen and the way that they've treated me, I actually get more say than some of the friends that I know that have had games published. And mm-hmm. they're they they're quite uh, quite accommodating. And yeah, yeah, the way that they've done the campaign, or they're going to do the campaign, and especially the way they've done their last campaigns, it's it's refreshing because you've you've got your two your basic two pledges, you've got your your standard Kickstarter pledge, or you've got your deluxe. Uh, the one is got better components than the other one, and then normally there's one add-on or two add-ons, which would be your deluxe dice rather than your standard dice but everything's more superficial than a game add-on and that's what I get frustrated with when I see a game that I really like and you think oh the base game oh, then you've got this add-on then you've got this add-on and then suddenly you're up to $200 and you think well yeah if I only buy the base game I'm only going to get limited plays out of it so you sort of do need them um, yeah so yeah, I know where you're coming from, but no, Final Frontier haven't done that with any of their last campaigns, and I don't think they're going to do it with this one either. Uh, I think mm-hmm. they want to be. They've told me that they don't want to be on Kickstarter forever. You know, they they want to make board games, and they know that they're going to have to stay on an uphill scale, sort of improving every time. So they're always looking yeah. at the market. Uh, they know their stuff. They're from a social marketing background as well. So their marketing and, and the way that they present themselves is really, really good. Okay, okay. Um, in terms of, of, I mean, have you, have you seen a finished copy of the game? Have you been playing a finished copy of the game? I haven't got a finished copy. I've got a, a prototype. And it's... Um, it's... A strange feeling when that happens when I have a look at the pieces of paper with scribble written on them and little stick men from Robin Hood with a little bow and arrow <laughs> and it's gone from that to, to what it is now and they've got uh, they've managed to get uh, the Myco for the arts so of the guy that did uh, Valeria and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. so the art is, is really really good in my opinion and these are the things that I could have probably got the game to market myself, but it would have taken an extra year or two years. I wouldn't have had yeah. the contacts. I wouldn't have had. No. I wouldn't have had the. I, I, it wouldn't be ten percent of the game that it is now. So I, I often hear people say, oh, "I've got an idea for a game," um, but I don't want to tell you too much about it because what if a publisher takes it off me? And there probably are people out there that would do that. But I'd like to think that we're in, in an industry and a hobby where people don't. And I showed faith, and um, Final Frontier showed faith in me. And so far, it's worked. So, Yeah, I mean, I think, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it must be mind-blowing for you. I mean, do you ever go to the club now on, you know, on Thursdays and somebody news turns up and you go, and you just sit next to them and you go, you stick the box on the table and you go, see that? That's mine. <laughs> I, I walk up to random people I, I, I haven't, even, haven't even thought of that but yeah I did it a couple of weeks ago I actually got a picture 
actually got a picture on my phone and I was like, have you seen this? I could just see you like going about Asda or Tesco's like with a little pram with like the game inside it all wrapped up and you get like an old woman coming over and going, oh, let's have a look then, let's have a look. And I go, oh, and they go, yeah, I know it's gorgeous, isn't it? It's mine. <laughs> yeah, it's it's quite funny because right at the start of the, the working relationship, in a joking way, they used to tell me off because I used to be like, oh yeah, I've, I've designed this game and look at my game. Mm. And they were like, yeah. it's our game. And I was like, yeah, but it's mine. <laughs> and it's like, no. Yeah. But so it's, it, no, it's, it's an unusual experience. It's, it's fun. The, the fact that it's now led to a full time job in the industry anyway with a PR company. And, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's been a, been a whirlwind, but I've enjoyed every moment of it. That's very, very. I think, do you know what it is? It's kind of inspiring for other people that are listening because I think there are people sitting there right now saying, I'd like to get involved in the industry. I know an awful lot about the hobby. I am worried. I think, do you know what? I think there's a worry about this, even though it's still a, people go, but it's quite a young industry. What about the stability? What happens if it kind of disappears over the night and things like that? But, um, I guess you're one of these cases to show that if you do decide you want to go ahead and just kind of get involved, you go ahead and get involved. Yeah. And then eventually, if you get involved enough, then you'll reach a level where, you know, things will either, you know, things will stay level. Yeah. And you'll, you'll be there for a long time or they'll continue to climb. But it depends entirely kind of what, you know, how involved you want to. How involved you kind of want to get? Yeah, yeah. I don't. Um, I don't understand when people say it's a young industry. I think they just look at the the boom with Kickstarter and uh, there's the whole theory of is it a bubble? Is it not a bubble? And you, Kickstarter's only a percentage of the board game industry, and I think because it's mainly social driven. So we see a lot of it on Facebook and on Twitter, and it's all yeah. relevant to the new games that wouldn't be able to come to market if it wasn't for Kickstarter. The actual board game industry as a whole has been around for years and years and years, and it's not yeah, 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 yeah. it's not suddenly going to go. So if Kickstarter did disappear, then people will struggle, and you won't see a lot of the indie games come in. And that's that's a shame because a lot of the indie games are sometimes better than. The straight to retail games but what it would do is it would just shake up the whole industry and people that have had a few successful campaigns and have been wise with their money they would be able to get a game published in a different way yeah. and yeah i think that's the thing people that have already had two three four successful games if they've been wise with their money and they want to be in the industry for long term then they are there is that opportunity there it's the board game industry isn't suddenly just you know next Monday just going to disappear and everyone's going to stop playing board games well I think Jamie <clears throat> Jamie Stegmeyer's kind of proven that yes I know he's like one guy but Charterstone is already you know there's there was a buzz when Charterstone was announced two years ago there is adoration going about I looked on um I looked at um, what uh, Steve Tudor was tweeting. 
yesterday that him and his, I think him and uh, he's been playing Charterstone quite a lot. A lot of people I know, James Hudson, he's been out there saying, you know, him and he's been playing Charterstone as well. So I mean, as I guess, it's about maybe getting a tail on your game, and I think that's what a lot of indie guys would like once they have Kickstarter. Once you know, once you once your game's funded, how do you keep it selling? Yeah, because it seems to be the case with a lot of Kickstarters is like the product gets the product's funded, the product gets fulfilled, but then it's a case of people are sitting around there and saying, "Well, I have to do another Kickstarter with another idea in order to kind of keep things going." That's instead of yeah, here's an exceptionally good. It, it happens occasionally. I mean, like let's look at Scythe, yeah, Gloomhaven, yeah. yeah, very very well received games that have, you know, a retail kind of tail to them yeah. kind of afterwards that's um, that's actually where the, the PR idea come from uh, like, like yeah. I said I can't go into too much detail but the thing that annoys me so so much is the fact that you see a game do really really well on Kickstarter it's fulfilled people are playing it and then three or four months down the line everyone's forgotten about it and you can't get hold of a copy and copies are going mm-hmm. for stupid amounts of money and then yeah. that designer or that publisher is then moved on to their next game. And they've already got this game that could make them money and they've forgotten about it and it's not in retail shops. They don't offer a retail pledge, nothing along them lines. And they're already onto their next baby, so to speak. And you just think to yeah. yourself, I, I can understand why you do that. And Kickstarter is a huge amount of money quickly. But if you want to be in in the hobby and for a long or the industry sorry for a long period of time you've got to establish the roots of getting your first game into shops and then move on to the next one and that's what I was on about with you know if Kickstarter disappeared these people that have managed to to get their games in shops and people are talking about their games six months to a year afterwards then they're the ones that are going to survive and then all the small indie guys that haven't got that, um, they they will just have to go back to working nine to five. Yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, what about yourself then? I mean, obviously you're you've got this job. Has that going to stop you in terms of your creativity? Do you still have more games that you're looking to put together? I mean, has this made you think? Well, actually all these other white bits of paper that I've got, that I've got scribblings on them, I can maybe do stuff for them as well? Yeah, um, we've, we've already spoken, uh, myself and Final Frontier. Um, we, we would like to, to work together again. I don't know, they, cool. they can't speak on this, so I'll say that it's been enjoyable working with them and they've got no way of answering back, so they can't deny or confirm that, thank God. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just check, is it in there? Tony, what was that? He's rubbish. All right, okay, shall I let him know? No, it's okay. Go and put the kettle on, though. Thanks. He he's yeah. just shook his head and ran away. Yeah. <laughs> that was a really good... Yeah, I could hear his accent in the background as well. Could you? That was... Um, Macedonia's never been really strong for me. Um, um, <laughs> but no, it's 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 been it's been good. It's I've learned a lot. And it's, op- mm. it's opened so many doors as well. So... Um, I think Daniel Zayas, who uh, he worded it perfectly on a Facebook status yesterday when we were talking, 
Um, I basically said Merry Christmas to everyone before I forget and get too drunk or too busy. And I was like, have a nice 2018. And he said, we've both taken on that many different things that surely one of them should be successful. And I, th- <laughs> I think that made me realise how many different things I am actually involved in. Um, yeah. And it's good because they're all within one industry. So they all sort of complement each other. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to 2018 and, and getting the game out there. So is this vastly different from your normal kind of day, day-to-day job then? Yeah, I um, <laughs> I worked for uh, a big DIY company uh, that isn't B&Q. B&Q and, <laughs> and okay. I worked in sales basically, but it was... It was different in terms of the whole industry and what I was selling. But it's being a people person, even though I hate that cliche, but being able to speak to people and build up relationships and being honest is is what this industry is about. And I think it's what life's about, to be honest. If you want to be successful in life, you have to you have to be honest and sometimes you have to give without receiving and and hope that it'll pay off in the long run. That's pretty cool. No, I mean you um you've always come across as kind of like you're always continually doing something. It is kinda of like what is Martin up to this week? And he's like, Oh, I just made a game <laughs> <laughs> just like that. Yeah. Did what? Tony, yeah, he made a game, Tony. <laughs> um you know, that kind of thing. And everyone's like, What's he done now? He's done a Facebook group. He's done a Facebook group as well. What have you done? Can't even get you to do the dishes. Um, I was going to say it's it's about half ten uh, in in Macedonia, so he'll he'll probably be two bottles of whiskey down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he'll be shouting at people from the couch. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> the new PR stuff is that starting off as uh, is that early next year? Is that started off just already? Have you got an official kind of launch thing planned for that, or is it a case of yeah? Watch this space to find out what's happening with that. I've spoke to um, some reviewers about it because we're going to need reviewer and media help with it. I, I've spoke mm-hmm. to publishers about it as well. It hasn't officially been announced. That will be in January. But okay. the easiest way to, to think about it is it's going to be a, a service to help a publisher at any point that within the, the creating period so if it's play testing then we can help them if it's reviews then we can help them if they need art direction then we can help them if you know whatever it is they need help with then we can help them Uh, and having Thundergriff games and Final Frontier games with their own skill sets and then me in the middle that's going to be the sort of getting the word out there and speaking to people and telling them what we can help them with I think that it's the first of its kind sort of offering and it will help the first time people that we spoke about five minutes ago when I said that they struggle getting a game into retail or, or knowing how to make mm-hmm. the best of their opportunities we can actually help them with that That's very very cool I keep saying that's very very cool I'm wildly, <laughs> crazily jealous at every word that's coming out of your mouth at the moment Mr Poole, I can't help myself <laughs> I'm screaming internally but I'm also very calm on the outside and good at hiding my emotions. So there you go. Um, you just 
writing emails to all the reviewers saying that please give Robin Hood <laughs> a bad review. <laughs> I wouldn't. I would never ever do that to anyone at all. But I will make an exception in your case. Uh, well, you know, I was going to say that maybe I could sort you a free copy out. Not as no, that's okay. I don't want you. I don't want your game. No, no, no. I, I, wasn't, I don't want your game. I wasn't on about Robin Hood. I was on about the email of me sending out to people saying that not to listen to this podcast. <laughs> oh, that's fine. You know, I'm beyond saving. <laughs> if people want to keep an eye on what you're up to and where they can find you, Every, where can they find everywhere. you? Everywhere on the yeah, I know that's what we're gonna say. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Open your window, <laughs> chuck out a brick. You'll probably hit somebody who knows where they can find Martin Poole. Yeah, it does feel like that sometimes, and I do get the odd inbox, <laughs> inbox where people say, like, you post too much, or... But, I don't know. At the end of the day, it's... I'm going to sound really, really obnoxious now, but it's my group, and yeah. I, I, I want to... The people that are in there, I want them to think that, you know... If, if they've got something that they want to share or if they've got something that they want to market there's, there's, mm. as long as it's not spam then yeah. post as many times as you want in the group if I don't want to read it yeah. then I'll skip past it I'm not one of these people that constantly delete posts and um, you know, I'm, not no. the, I'm not the Facebook police at the end of the day no, is that is that why we're banned? yes, I'm just asking yeah. alright, okay I don't think, <laughs> just, I don't think I just, you are, are you? Not yet. No, okay. <laughs> just thought, I just thought I'd publicly ask you. No, that's okay. Cause <laughs> just be... <laughs> put me on the spot like that. <laughs> I, I just for a second, you were like, what have I banned him? Is he? Is this whole thing? He's been speaking to me for an hour. Well, because he can turn around and ask me why have we banned from the group. Oh, my goodness. It's all right. I've got four other <laughs> moderators. I'll just blame them. <laughs> <laughs> now, we'll get you back on in a second. What's your email address again? Let me just type this in and delete it. Basically, if you go to Facebook and you t- type board game exposure, yep, we'll find you. That's Are you on Twitter? I am uh, board game exposure on Twitter as well. Okay. Are you on the Facebook? Uh, you are on Facebook. Yes, um, but that's Facebook's usually just my personal. But if they go into board ah, game right, exposure, okay. they can find me messages across that way. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Um, I take it. You got a website? Uh, I haven't. Not uh, yet. No, I haven't got a website. Maybe that's something else that I can do. <laughs> Just do the website, do a blog, set up a blogger, take over the world, give me the hits right now, today. It's all fantastic. There is there is, um, there is a Facebook group for Robin Hood if you wanted to sign up. Ah, okay. Uh, so, and where do you find that? How do you Just find type that? in Robin Hood and the Merry Men on the, the little search bar on Facebook and it'll come up. That's cool. Because what we'll do is obviously we will take links that you give us and we will put them in the show notes okay. so that we have notes to show. Mr. Poole, this has been a delight. This is when you say, no, it hasn't. <laughs> the silence there. I was actually watching the clock tick down. The silence, was, the, silence, the silence was deafening. Um, I do have one more question, okay? Okay. You have broken in to King John's treasury. Okay. Deftly sneaking through the bars by removing one of them. And King John 
is not only been stealing people's gold and their hard-earned money through the ill-fated taxes with cruelty, he's also been taking all the cardboard as well. <laughs> so inside this vault is basically a collection, the largest collection of cardboard you have ever seen. It has got new games, it's got old games, it's got first editions, second editions, it's got expansions, it's got reprints, it's got everything that you and your merry men could ever desire. The unfortunate thing is, is that in order to get you into that vault, you've had to be lowered down on a rope, and Trizomite Little John can only pull you back up but you can only pull you back up if you're only only carrying a maximum of three board games. Now you can carry those board games, you can have any expansions that you want. But the question is, young Robin Poole, <laughs> or Martin Hood, or whatever, what three board games do you take with you out of King John's Vault of Cardboard? Okay, so... It would have to be... Mm-hmm. Robinson Crusoe, number one. Okay. Uh, so, okay. Solo game that I enjoy. Um, okay. Then your your second game. I don't know whether it's a board game, but one that I wish I would kept as a kid: Crossbows and ca- Catapults. I don't know whether you can oh, remember that. Oh, that's a good. Of course, that's a good shout. That is a good shout. I believe that me and. I think Chris Darby spoke about crossbows and catapults some time ago to the point that we were sending photographs back and forwards to each other about it because it was fantastic. Um, Brilliant. Yes, you can have that, son. You can have that with with joy and with gusto. Um, However, there is a rattling outside. I believe the guards are coming. Um, What's your third game going to be, sir? Is it Star Wars Gambit Run or the old Star Wars one by Avalon Hill? A uh, bit of a grail game. It's meant to be one of the best Star Wars games that you can get. I've never actually played it, so it would probably. You can take that one as well. Yeah, you really are looking for the treasure, aren't you? I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could have, I could have said Mon- Monopoly Scottish Edition because... or something, but. <laughs> You could have said like one of the hundred games that you've reviewed, but you've gone for something quite quite unusual and well, fancy. Well, if I'm going to, yeah, if I'm going to break into a castle and have the choice of anything, then I may as well make it worthwhile. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, excellent. Um, if thank you very very much for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Martin. Thank you for having me. Really enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun. If you want to keep an eye on what we're up to. Then you can find us in the usual places. If you go to the Googles, if you search for We Are Not Wizards, you will find us on Twitter. You will find us on Facebook under We Are Not Wizards. You will find us on YouTube because our fantastic webs, uh, podcast host Podbean automatically put all our episodes onto YouTube. If you want to find it the old way, if you look up to We Are Not Wizards tabletop podcast, you will find us there. You will find us on Instagram, you will find us on Stitcher, you will find us on Speaker, you will find us on Acast, you'll find us on Podknife. Um, If you have listened tonight and you've enjoyed what you've heard, please consider jumping onto Apple Podcasts. Because apparently every single time somebody jumps onto Apple Podcasts 
and drops us a subscription, it increases the chances of us getting a lovely white Christmas. If you want to increase them even more, you can consider even giving us a review. Um, If you are going to give us a review, remember, as we always say, try not to give us 10 stars, because that'll make us big-headed. But don't give us one, because that'll make us cry. Give us five, because it's average in the middle. Why are you laughing? (laughs) Uh, I, I and we are, and we are very average. But the gentleman who's not been average tonight, who's apparently lost it in the background due to that Apple Podcast joke, <laughs> is the rather fantastic, the rather wonderful, the rather ultra busy. Check out all the stuff that he's doing, and check out the more stuff he's going to be doing next year. It is Mr. Martin Poole. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. There's only two more things to do. The first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Martin? Uh, Only on a Saturday. Get out. (laughs) See, Tony, told you. It's not even a flipping outlaw, he's a wizard. And the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from the right up until the very end major disappointment that is Martin Poole say goodbye Martin goodbye Martin I just couldn't help yourself (laughs) and it's a goodbye from me remember stay safe roll sixes yeah check it I mean obviously February lunchtime Martin has an awful lot of stuff going on we will make sure it's in the show notes but if you're after something which involves running around in the forest and hanging about with your merry men and robbing the rich to steal the poor and potentially rescuing Maid Marion, then check out Martin's game, which is going to be coming out on Kickstarter in February. And we'll probably get him back on to have a chat about it when it's lunchtime. I don't know, because he says he's a wizard. But until the next time, goodbye. <laughs>